I'm Claire Gibson and I'm sitting here with Anne Foss of Petsys Therapy. Now today we're going to chat about Petsys Therapy and to help us along I have my dog Neo here to help explain the process for assessing dogs as potential therapy pets. But first of all, can I ask, what is Petsys Therapy? Uh, Petsys Therapy is a charity that with their volunteers and registered dogs visits hospitals, nursing homes, special needs schools uh, and all establishments like that with people that would benefit from having a visit from a nice dog. Lovely. And can you tell me when Petsys Therapy was founded? Uh, It was founded in 1983. It was originally a subsidiary of another charity, which no longer exists. But it grew uh, from a small office in Kent and moved around. And then some years later, it became an independent charity, Petsys Therapy, registered charity. And it's grown over the years to where we are today with still a small office staff but with about 5,000 volunteers over the country. Now we're sitting here in Woking um, and uh, I I actually looked on doit.org and uh, I was thinking of Neo then because I saw advertising for some more therapy dogs from your Isha office. Can you tell me what offices you have in North Surrey? We don't have any offices apart from the head office which is in Buckinghamshire. But what I have done over the years particularly when we were smaller, was go to the various uh, voluntary organisations and ask for them to promote pets as therapy and find volunteers for us. And the one at Isha was one of the ones that I went to, but I also went to Woking, Guildford and various other uh, voluntary organisations for that purpose. Right, so what is the area that you cover personally? Uh, Well, the way the computer, our very, very clever computer works, it takes a volunteer or a coordinator like me and it says, we will give you volunteers within 15 miles of where you live. So it literally does 15 miles as the crow flies round me sitting here with you. So I would take in... uh, Aldershot, I'm going up as far as Epsom. Um, so it's a, literally a round circle. Okay, so how many volunteers do you have at the moment and how many more are you looking for? Do you mean me personally or as a charity? Oh, I, su- I suppose, well, in the, in the area that we're talking about, I suppose, because the, the programme's going out to North Surrey, and I think people out there might be thinking, I wonder if my dog is suitable and how many volunteers they're looking for. Well, really as many as we can get. The waiting list, particularly for nursing homes and residential homes, is huge. It runs into pages and pages of these homes who would all like to have a pat dog. So uh, um, the organisation, the staffing isn't huge, so it does take a little bit of uh, uh, logistics to get them on board. But we'd really, we really need as many as we could get. Right, so we'll take you sort of your website sort of later on in the programme. So people listening, if they're interested, then they can get in touch with you and hopefully you'll be swamped with, with volunteers. But can you just sort of tell me at the moment, what does it take for, you obviously need to assess the dog or whichever pet um, type it is, but is there an element of assessing the person as well? Uh, when people are interested in registering their dog, they 
uh, can download or apply for the forms. And it's quite a strict procedure because the volunteer has to fill in a form. The volunteer has to provide the name of two referees to whom the charity can write. So every person has to pass the, the references. Uh, the assessors who work for the charity, including me, because I'm an assessor as well, will assess the dog. But everything has to be right. The forms have to fill, be filled in accurately. The dog has to pass the assessment and the person has to pass the references, if you see what I mean. That sounds like a very solid procedure, and it's quite appropriate because obviously people are going into uh, old people's homes and other venues to people who are quite vulnerable in a way. Um, so could you take me through how it helps them and how you have to be particularly careful when you, with a visit? It increases the use of arthritic fingers, stimulation of memory, and it breaks the ice with people who have difficulty communicating with others. And just when you go in, just to see their eyes light up because the dog has come in uh, is absolutely wonderful. Do you find there's a difference between people who have had dogs in the past and those that haven't? Or does everyone appreciate a dog or another pet visiting? No, not everyone appreciates it. We do meet, when we go in, there will be one or two there who probably, you can usually tell because they'll sort of cringe a little bit if they just see the dog and you know then that <clears throat> that person is not a dog lover. Most of them, surprising the number of uh, residents who have had dogs and like to tell you about the dogs they had. Sometimes they can remember the dog's name, sometimes they can't. But th the communication between having the dog there and the volunteer and the chat is, is wonderful. And also, we quite often find that when we're uh, visiting that the uh, member of staff will say, that's the first time that person has spoken. Sometimes it's been the person has been there a week and never spoken until the dog went in. That's absolutely amazing. And you know what? I interviewed Steve Rowland Jones from Music in Hospitals just two weeks ago, and he said exactly the same thing. When you go in and you play music, to, um, the carers for that person will notice something, a flicker of the eye or just something slightly different, and it's amazingly rewarding. Can you tell me some stories of some changes that you've seen? Um, well, I'm going to just read you uh, a fairly recent email. and The person who wrote it says, I can pass it on. But it was her telling me she was fairly, she's a fairly new volunteer and I always keep in touch with my volunteers as, as often as I can, bearing in mind I've got about 150. <laughs> That's a lot of volunteers. <laughs> but um, this uh, volunteer who started at a home in Camley, and she says, um, <clears throat> I'd ask, said, how are you getting on? And she said, lovely to hear from you. They are loving him. Um, we try and get to see most people who benefit most from a visit. And of course, there are four or five absolute definitely who wait for Gino's arrival and come in search of him if he is late. Gino reacts far better than I would have ever imagined. He loves the residents and sometimes I get quite overwhelmed by the connections. I went back and said, well, that's wonderful. And she came back and she said, he's a lovely boy and it's amazing what our dogs can do when they visit a residential or nursing home. Um, <clears throat> she also sees 
a particular gentleman uh, who can't talk very well and he's bedridden but he goes into a state of calm when Gino is with him so there must be some connection he has even conquered the fear of dogs with some of the staff Oh, that sounds absolutely wonderful. And so what you're saying is for your volunteers that it can be a very rewarding experience for them as well as well as for uh, the people being visited. Yes, yes. I, I think most of the volunteers would certainly find it rewarding. And, and how long do the volunteers tend to uh, keep doing this? I mean, I suppose it depends on having their dog for uh, up to a point. Uh, some volunteers have had more than one dog and still do it. I probably I've got one volunteer um, in Aldershot, one in uh, uh, Farnham. I think they've both been doing it for probably about fifteen years. Wow, that's that's a long time. And you've done it yourself because you've had is it two dogs who've been pack dogs. Yes. Can you tell me about them? Uh, <clears throat> first of all, we had a rescue. Uh, dog, um, a border collie, three-legged border collie, and I was taking him to dog training. Uh, he wasn't doing particularly well, and Sally, the trainer, said, really, he ought to be a pet dog. Uh, I'd never heard of pets therapy, so she explained what it was, and I said, when I work part-time as opposed to full-time in London, I will uh, try and get him registered, which I did, and in those days, the dog trainers could do the assessment. They can't do that now. Anyway, he passed, and we started visiting Woking Hospital. Well, that sounds absolutely wonderful. And then your second dog? Uh, the second dog uh, was also a rescue. Uh, they've both come from Wales. What happened was Luke, the first dog, was getting a little bit elderly, um, and I said to our friend in Wales who runs a small rescue, if you happen to have a dog you think might be a pet dog, um, will you let us know? I have to say, normally when we rescue dogs, we don't make any um, uh, requests on temperament or anything. We take a dog because it needs a home. But on this one occasion, I did say to her, we could do with a bit of help for Luke. And she phoned up. We got three dogs at the time. Uh, she phoned up and said, I think I've got a pet dog for you. So we said, OK, we'll be down. So we ended up uh, fa- fairly soon with four dogs, two of them being pet dogs. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I've got one dog sitting here next to me. Is my dog. He's called Neo. He's a Border Terrier. I think it's time we had a, a look-see whether uh, Neo would make a suitable pet dog. But I'm afraid I think I know already what the answer's going to be. <laughs> Okay. Well, what we'll do, we'll do a little bit of the handling bit and we'll do the tip bit. Okay, the tip bit means feeding something very tasty to Neo to see if he takes uh, Anne's hand off or if he is very polite. So I will do a little bit of commentary as uh, Anne is doing what she needs to do. So she's giving him a bit of a cuddle now and he's he's burrowing his head in the, in the carpet and generally doing a Worsley thing like Border Terriers do. And now he's under the table. Um <laughs> <laughs> He's not mouthing me at all, um, but he is quite excited. Um, and if he was with an elderly person who probably couldn't get on the floor like I could um, or I can, it might be a little bit difficult for him just at this moment. But you see, he, he's letting me hold his paw. Um, ah, he's well trained in some areas. Yeah. So that. He's, apart from being a little bit overexcited, he's absolutely fine. 
Oh, well, I do believe he has a nice temperament, but I've had him from eight weeks old, so every bit of training is down to me. So, and here's the titbit test. Let's see what happens. Oh, oh, he's not interested in the titbit. He's interested in something else. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> yes, Anne still has all, all of her hand left. <laughs> so that's a relief. Phew. Um, now that there are some other things you need to check. Yes, uh, but one of them would be for you to be walking around with him, um, which we would normally have to do outside. Uh, and uh, also I need to go and drop something in the hall for the noise test. I think that I know the answer to him walking around on the lead. I know we already failed that because he was pulling on the lead and then he jumped up on Anne when he walked in the door. So he's an absolute fail in that regard. And I've been told to go and get him trained better. But should we do the noise test? Right. Anne says she's going to drop a walking stick in the hall and we're going to see. This is a, it's a wooden floor. So hope. Oh, I better go out there. So. There was there was the noise and. And let's hear what the verdict is when Anne's put the walking stick away. And the verdict is? That, that's absolutely fine. He, he wasn't uh, worried in any shape or form by the noise. Right, now I'm going to sort of give you my little secret at that. I was very confident he was going to pass the noise test because I was told that it's, it's terrible at fireworks night when dogs get very upset by all the bangs and, and sort of cracking and popping that's on outside. So um, when he was a tiny puppy, literally, I'd only just got him, so he was only eight weeks old, I took him in my arms and I carried him for about two hours um, around every noisy thing I could find. So the bin men, the council lawnmowers, and the shopping mall, um, although dogs weren't actually allowed in there, but I was carrying him. And uh, so he got used to noise from a very early age. So that bit worked. Oh, yes, that's absolutely fine. A lot of the assessment really is just sitting and talking because when we go visiting what we're going to do we're going to probably be say in the nursing home for about the best part of an hour and we're going to be going round and talking to different people so I always make sure that when someone uh, a potential volunteer comes with her his or her dog that I'm going to keep them in the room for the best part of an hour so that I know that the dog can cope with that period of time when they go visiting. Right, and also you can tell that somebody hasn't sort of, uh, you're not getting just a snapshot of their behaviour, you're seeing the true dog. Absolutely, and there's always a lot to talk about. It's a new volunteer, they, they know a certain amount about the charity because obviously that's why they've applied to become a volunteer. But there's always more that you or anyone else wants to know, questions about uh, how the process works of uh, the assessing and how long it will take for the actual, all the forms to go through the system, uh, and then how does it work after that, how does the volunteer have a choice in where they're going to visit? Oh, could you answer all these questions for me? Yes, the, the forms, several of them, will all go back with the assessment form to the office who take up the references and then they look at the assessment. And if all is well, which can take, because we have such a small office staff, this can take a few weeks to go through. But if all is well, the volunteer will get um, a handbook, badges, a badge for themselves, a, um, a badge for the dog, having sent the photos in in the first place, uh, and then 
all that is sent back to the volunteer who reads the manual and reads in it that it's for the volunteer really to contact the coordinator and say, I've passed, where do we go from here? And how, uh, what sort of venues are open to people when they've just passed as a volunteer and their dog's okay? Do you know which venue is going to be best for them? It's not always easy to know which is going to be best, but I would always ask the volunteer, what would you like to do? They might say they would like to do a school, uh, but there might not be any schools um, sitting on our waiting list because getting into schools isn't always the easiest because their curriculums can be so tight that they haven't always got room to fit in, say, a visiting dog every week. Most people, if they can't have, if they wanted a school and they can't have a school, would say, well, uh, I'd like to do a day centre, so we would look and see if we could have a day centre, which could be for people, elderly people, just having... um, Uh, a day out or it could be a day centre for people with mental health or learning difficulties places like that so we try and fit as far as we can to what the volunteer would like to do fortunately and I always mention this at the assessment anyway I do say to them that most of the waiting list is nursing and residential homes so they are prepared I think when they they get all their papers and they uh, become pets as therapy volunteers for the fact that it could be um, a nursing or residential home, but they vary, of course. Some of them, uh, unfortunately, have got more dementia than others. Um, on the other hand, I did have a volunteer once, um, some little while ago, who said she was visiting the people with dementia upstairs and the people uh, who hadn't got dementia downstairs. And she said to me one day, do you know, I really like going upstairs best. It's amazing how when you start, it all seems a little bit overwhelming, but we do try and go with new volunteers on a first visit. I would try and go, or I've got a colleague who... Uh, also will uh, undertake that task, if you could call it that, and go with a new volunteer on the first visit. She's very experienced. She's been visiting for about 14 years, so she's very helpful to me. I would think that's very comforting to the people who are uh, new volunteers because it is quite a daunting process going into a a medical facility, a care home, you know, uh, off your own backs. You don't quite know how things work. So, Anne, I'm very interested in the school visits you talk about. What activities do you do with schools other than just visiting? Uh, Well, uh, about two years ago, we started a Read to Dogs programme. This is... This has been in America for some time and it is um, blossoming over in the UK and we decided to do a pilot project on this in a school in Hampshire and we have found it to be exceedingly successful. It also has the advantage that it's quite good for older dogs uh, because all the dog basically has to do with his handler is sit there and look um, gentle and interested in what is going to be read to him uh, or her. Uh, The children would normally come in one at a time. It doesn't have to be that way, but come to the dog one at a time for about 10 minutes or so and read their book, which they're provided by the school, read to the dog. And it's amazing how the children will read to the dog, which they won't do in class with all the other kids 
watching them. And we've had some real, real success, and it's growing. We don't have a lot of it around here. We haven't had schools around here asking for it much, but the rest of the country, uh, the schools are coming forward and saying, please, can we have a, a, a pat dog to come and help the children to read? And I'm just going to read you one of the comments that came from the pilot project. It is so enjoyable reading to the pat dog that I've started reading to my two budgies at home as well. I think my reading is getting much better. Well, that is wonderful. And that is something that, I mean, I know reading age uh, can be assessed in school, so I imagine that the difference can be measured um, after a series of visits with, with a dog. Well, I guess it can be. We don't do the measuring, but I think the uh, positive effects that we've had with the schools and the fact that more schools are asking for it, and once the schools have got a pat dog, they want to continue to have a pat dog, and if one pat dog has to give up, they're on to us and say, can we have another pat dog, please? Because these children are finding the reading so much easier, reading to the dog. I would love to see that. Do you know what, I mean, uh, my border terrier, what he does when you talk to him or read to him, he sticks his head on one side and he just gives you that little look, which is so endearing. And I, if I could only get him to sit still for 10 minutes. Right, well, um, I think sort of Neo, it's curtains at the moment, but uh, I am going to find myself a dog trainer and I think I, I might sort of try and do an interview there and sort of as if, well, see if I can find a dog trainer who understands what it takes to be a pets as therapy dog and I can bring him back in hopefully six months and Anne will pass him. Right now, a couple of last questions. Sort of, Anne, can you tell me about how pets as therapy is funded and what people can do to help? Funding is quite difficult. All the volunteers pay to belong, for a start. And a lot of volunteers will do some fundraising as well. We do get a certain number of grants. Um, We get a few legacies, but not as many, perhaps, as we could get. So always funding the charity is is a difficult one. Right, so um, if I ask you to give your website address and any other contact details, that um, maybe they can look at your website, find out details about how they can get involved, they can contribute, and uh, generally make a difference. Right, the website address is www.petsastherapy.org. Do you have a telephone number? 01844 Well, Anne, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed talking with you and the best of luck getting your volunteers. And that was Anne Foss from Pets as Therapy. I'm Claire Gibson and this is Neo.